Hey, it's Kathy. I just want to let you know that I'm doing a free five-day workshop. It's called the Abundance Activation Challenge, and it starts today. And it's not too late for you to join us. Today is the last day to join. Go to kathyheller.com slash five day to sign up. The pre-party has been happening and it's been such a blast. There's so many high vibe women in there who are ready to call in more abundance. I know that you will love that you showed up for this. I'll be live at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern every day this week, teaching you how to become a master manifester. You are just going to have the best time. If you want to join us, sign up at kathyheller.com slash five day. Every human being is endowed with a special capacity, a very unique capacity that only that person has and that we all must engage in an occupation or trade and that trade must be our form of service. Thanks to Shopify for supporting my podcast. Shopify is a platform designed for anyone to sell anywhere, giving entrepreneurs like myself the resources once reserved for big business. For a free 14-day trial and full access to Shopify's entire suite of features, go to shopify.com slash dreamjob. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to the podcast. We have such a good episode for you today. Oh my goodness. Justin Baldoni is here and I wish I had a word that is a bigger word than... Gorgeous, sweet, humble, adorable, captivating, mesmerizing. He is all of those things and more. I am so excited to dive in and get to this episode. Before we do, I just want to let you know that I have been doing Zoom calls nonstop. We have had almost 300 people apply for the mastermind. And so far, we have admitted about 22, 23. If you want to apply, if you think this mastermind might be the next step for you, you can go to kathyheller.com slash mastermind and you can apply. And when you apply, you can book a call with me on Zoom. If for some reason you are not a fit for this mastermind, I have been mulling over what else I could create for all of these gorgeous women who have raised their hands, who are ready for the next step, but maybe the mastermind isn't quite it. So if you are looking for that, stay tuned because there is something coming for you as well. And the best way to hear about it is to go to my Instagram at kathy.heller. I will be posting some things in my stories. I will be answering some questions and there just might be a few spots opening up for one-on-one coaching vis-a-vis Voxer access and things like that. So definitely keep your eyes peeled to my Instagram because I will be opening up some other gorgeous things for those of you who want something and the mastermind is not quite it. But if you're curious about the mastermind, it is going to be absolutely amazing. And we already have such an incredible group of women coming in. Again, you can apply at kathyheller.com slash mastermind. So today, Justin Baldoni is here. He's an award-winning filmmaker, actor, entrepreneur, author, philanthropist, and podcaster. A lot of you probably know him as Raphael from the hit TV series, Jane the Virgin, but he's done incredible work outside of acting, including his documentary series, My Last Days, which was a gorgeous show about living as told by courageous people facing a terminal illness. It's such a stunning show, and it's no surprise that it became one of the most watched documentary series ever streamed online. Justin then started a whole other important movement about what it means to be man 
Man Enough. He did a TED Talk and he wrote an amazing book titled Man Enough, Undefining My Masculinity. It's his personal investigation into the current state of masculinity and a meditation on how to be human in the 21st century. And the paperback version is coming out tomorrow, May 3rd. So if you want the paperback version, that's going to be available in less than just 24 hours. Also, go listen to Justin's fantastic podcast, Man Enough, where he and his co-hosts have intimate open conversations with guests like Glennon Doyle, Matthew McConaughey, Rain Wilson, and so many other awesome souls about how traditional structures and attitudes toward topics like success and failure and fatherhood and body image and privilege and relationships are issues that are holding us back. And if it wasn't enough, Justin is also the co-founder of Wayfarer Studios, and he's the founder of the Wayfarer Foundation. It's an organization dedicated to transforming the way communities see and respond to the needs of people experiencing homelessness. Justin is one of the most beautiful human beings, both inside and out, I have ever met. And we had just such an incredible conversation about everything from his faith to the afterlife to his exploration into masculinity. He is so down to earth. He's so humble. He's such a good soul. It's such an honor that he's here. Without further ado, please welcome the remarkable Justin Baldoni. What's up? Hi, Justin. Hi. Thank you for taking the time out of your very important, impactful, oh, come beautiful life. No, seriously, that's what you do every second. And you're, could you be more of a stunning human? You are really good at starting podcasts. It's not fair, though. It's kind of mean, because <laughs> then you think that everyone's just going to act normal around you, but no one's really normal. They're just pretending. Okay. That's okay, though. Okay. At least it's out in the open. We're being honest. Radical transparency. If only I could see what you see. You do. You know how I know you see it? Because the work you do is so indicative that you see beauty everywhere and you can only see what you are because it's a hologram. <laughs> so you do see it. I am going to put this on my phone for my alarm. when I You wake better. Up you better. I don't want anything less. All right. I'm so excited you're here. Oh, you're... man. You just made my day. I am so happy to be here. How is it that you've been on for six seconds and I just love you? Let me tell you something about you, okay? Last thing about you is that oftentimes when somebody is this charismatic and special, you're like, oh, I don't want to meet them because then it might just be less than what I perceive them to be. You're more than that. You're so easily, clearly humble. It's like your your humility is very apparent. So I like you and thank you. And wow. I think we could end right now, but let's not end. Already, let's you, begin. You literally have me tearing up already. That's a win. Congratulations. I'm going to tell my PR team, <laughs> I want to just talk to you every morning. Forget about all these other things that I have just to do. Did. All Lord. right. So I want to talk about how you've made such meaningful things. But before we get to the things you're making now, um, how did you even wind up raising your hand to be you started out, you know, being like on a screen and uh, that was before you did your own filmmaking, before you had a podcast. What got you to that place of raising your hand for that? Yeah, so I, I didn't I didn't really raise my hand, to be perfectly honest. I um, I was one of those young guys who would like have his hand up in the middle. OK, because having your hand up too high um, would feel too vulnerable and having my hand up too low I would beat myself up if I didn't try to raise my hand so I was kind of I was kind of raised in this weird way where my personal trauma was that I felt like I was both simultaneously too much for everybody and not enough at the same time so I was always in this like I would want to raise my hand but I wouldn't have the confidence 
but I knew I couldn't keep my hand down. So that's kind of where I was for a lot of my life. And uh, I had this kind of little dream to be on screen. But what I realized was that dream was really just a desire to be seen in the way you saw me this morning, Kathy. It was really just a desire to be loved and impress the people that were bullying me and didn't like me, show my parents that I could do it. It wasn't necessarily a desire to like change the world. It was coming from a, from insecurity and from fear that I would never amount to anything or that my life doesn't matter or wouldn't matter. And I would need to then have that external physical representation of that in order to feel loved. So wow. at first it was really that. Then the interesting part about me was that I was raised with these deep spiritual beliefs that every human being has the capacity to impact and change the world. As a Baha'i, I was raised, and Baha'u'llah is very clear. He says that every human being is endowed with a special capacity, a very unique capacity that only that person has, and that we all must engage in an occupation or trade, and that trade must be our form of service. So I knew this growing up, wow. that no matter what I did, I wanted to do that. So the interesting part about my journey has been the marrying of an acceptance of my trauma response, which has been to try to become successful and seen, and also my deeper desire that is untouched by trauma to impact the world around me. So it's been a bit of a dance over the course of my life. So at first it was like, boom, I, I found my way into the business. It was an accident in many ways, or if you are spiritual like me, uh, don't believe in accidents. It was meant to be, but I met a person who in a building after a breakup who asked me if I was an actor and I said no and asked me if I wanted to be. It was that simple. And I was very privileged and lucky in that way. The difference was is that I was a bit of an ugly duckling. I did not see myself in the way that this man saw me. And um and I had to literally start to believe that I could be the person that he saw. Again, it so it wasn't a hand up, hand down. It, it was in the middle. It was a belief that, you know, what if I, if I do end up becoming something, then maybe I can make a difference. And to be really honest, there were times when looking back, I was totally impure with God. And I'm like, oh, if you give me that, then I'm going to do that. If you just let me have that, if I get that show, I'm going to use it for good. And in, And in reality, that's really selfish. That was not me being pure and being of service in that way, because deep down, it was more about me than it was about God. The journey over the course of my last 20 years has been changing that ratio so that it's actually more about the service than it is about me. It'll never be 100% because there is no pure thought. There are just levels of purity. And so it's all about, okay, where's my purity at? That's kind of where I am today. I, that's a long, oh my God, a long it's, answer to your question. No, it's so short because you could talk for 19 more hours and I would just be glued because you're so present. And every time you say words, it's like you're meditating because they're just downloading <laughs> in the real time. And it's so fun to watch it. When you were first talking about that beginning piece of you know feeling insecure, I was just like, it's fascinating, but it makes sense because everything that has a tremendous amount of light has a, has a shadow, right? And like you have this ego, we all have one, right? Tries to protect us. And I'm like, so of course, someone who's so connected to the ultimate self, the one self would bump up against like an equal amount of resistance. And so you, you were talking about, 
right? I feel, like, I feel like I have so much resistance. But it was like when you were first saying, I'm like, it's impossible because you talk about pure. That would be the word I would use to describe every moment of you yeah, in the in world. My, and in my personal and my like when no one's around and in my deepest therapy sessions where I am doing deep somatic work right now and I'm and I'm going places I've never been. What's showing up the most is that I'm not pure. And I'm, and I'm so mean to myself and I'm mad at myself. And I'm like, why? Because I have this idea deep down that everything that I do has to be pure and that's impossible. So I'm, I'm my own hardest critic. And at the same time, I have to find ways to be compassionate to myself and remind myself that like, no, 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 it's okay. You still did good. You're still showing up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my mindfulness teacher likes to say that every morning when you have tea, invite all parts of yourself, the broken parts, the parts that self-sabotage, the brave parts, right? Because the shame is the biggest toxicity. Like you, who you really are, you is not Justin. Justin is a part you play, right? But who you really are is like, it is only pure. But then we all have egos that are lots of broken pieces. That's, That's the journey. But here you come, right? And then you show up. And you make magical things. Every time you're out in the world, it's really, you are absolutely impacting people with just your energy, just you. It's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. So are you an actor? He says, you say, no, do you want to be like, okay. And then what, how quickly do you wind up becoming a starring role? Like how long was that process? Three months. What? Three months. And it was a supporting role in a television movie for Hallmark. Uh, I was 20 years oh old. My God. I, I jumped into a, uh, the, the acting class I took was like an on-camera audition class. And I had no idea what I was doing. And I learned how to act on sets. Um, but I played this, this first role was like a, I played this Italian, like straight from Italy guy who was marrying John Larroquette's daughter. I was 20. I was playing 30 because she was like in her early 30s. And uh, I did the world's worst Italian accent and somehow they bought it. I remember I, I went to the audition because nobody knew who I was. And uh, they were like, hi. And I was like, ciao. Hello. Uh, it's nice to meet you. Uh, I sound like Borak now. And I just pretended like I was Italian the whole time. And then I got the job and I was shocked. It was this huge moment because I had made a deal with my dad that he gave me a year. I said, I want to take a year off school because I was 20. I was a sophomore. I was heartbroken. I had no direction. I was leaving Long Beach State where I was there to run track. This girl had just decimated me, who I write about now. It was really, I had some tragic experiences with her. And um, and I was just like, I want to take a year. So I took a year and it ended up being three months. I got this gig and like learned how to do it on the fly. And then about Nine months, 10 months later, I got uh, I got my first series regular role for a beautiful show called Everwood and moved to Utah, learned the in and outs and how to act there. I had no idea what I was doing, made tons of promises to God that I would do all these certain things, didn't do half of them, and then found myself without anything and lost it all just as fast as I gained it. And that became my journey. I actually spent a lot more time in this industry without success than with it. And that was part of my test is, am I going to actually keep my promises <laughs> or am I doing this for me? Or am I doing this for God? And over time, the ego was rooted out 
And I found my purpose, which was not in front of the camera. It was behind the camera, and it was the telling of stories. And it was using whatever gifts I had or were coming up with to be of service and actually help people. And it was when I actually focused on that, when I lost everything, when I couldn't afford to pay my mortgage and my house went into foreclosure, when I spent years telling the stories of people who were terminally ill, I was the happiest I'd ever been. And that's kind of when my life and the industry came back which is really interesting. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. All of that is so brave that you're always, I mean, you're always like this. Like whenever I've seen you, you're so vulnerable, which is so refreshing and rare. And I'm used to it with you, but it's, it's beautiful how vulnerable. And it's also for the first part of what you said took three months. I mean, that's just not a story. Most people tell that, that like doesn't really happen for people. Pete Holmes was just here last week and he said, chase the dreams that are chasing you. And it was like, the river was coming, you know, in that direction for you, which is really cool. But then for but you, you have to, to step into it, you have to, I think that there is free will and agency in that, even in my situation, because I think if I look back and I connect the dots in the story of my life and how I've been able to become successful and have impact, it always starts with intuition, even if I don't know it. And I've always said, I'm kind of just a feather in the wind going wherever God takes me. But you have to make a choice to be a feather. So even there, it would have been very easy for me to let fear say, no, I'm not really, I'm trying, I'm aspiring to be. But there was a part of me that was like, yeah, let's go. Let's jump in. I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. And the deeper purpose of, okay, how can God use me for good? How can I be a tool for unity? How can I help? What is my purpose? I have no idea. I wasn't educated. I was never a good student. I didn't, I never thought I'd write a book. Any of, I was, I'm terrified of public speaking. You put me on a stage, I have anxiety, right? So many of these things, I just, I'm not me. But the second you allow yourself in the Baha'i faith, we're told, uh, God says, make of me a hollow reed from which the pith of self hath been blown so that I may become a pure channel through which thy love may flow unto others. The second that I allow myself to be a hollow reed and I'm being blown, then I know my next step is going to be a step in the right direction. And that's the choice that we all have to make. So even with acting, with whatever I've done in my life, I've always just been like, okay, I feel like this thing and I'm going to step there. And that step ends up creating a path. I have to get out of my own damn way and follow it. Um, So there is agency in it. Total agency, right? I think that that's the only, that is the choice we're being offered all the time is you're either going to allow, right? And stay really connected and aligned, or you're going to be in this ego, which wants to predict, which wants to be in control, which wants to know the ROI and has a lot of ulterior motives, right? But here you were being like, you be the author, God, I'll just be the pen and allowing yourself to be that is why you were ultimately led back again to a place that felt fulfilling, right? So let's talk about this journey of my last days and how that idea came to you. And did anything surprise you in the making of that? Everything surprised me. Everything. That show changed my life. The work changed my life. But from an early age, I had this strange pull towards the dying, towards death just trying to figure out, understand how it is that like this life can be so meaningful. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And and yet, and everything, and yet it's going to end. It's crazy. And it's a very, 
hard concept, which is why I think the majority of human beings spend their lives trying to forget that they're going to die instead of embracing it. And Baha'u'llah and the Baha'i Faith tells us we need to meditate on our death as that will inform the choices in the way that we live. And just growing up, before I even really knew that, I just was always just curious and confused and scared and and fascinated to the point where, you know, I know my grandparents were aging and I would want to go spend time with them. I'd want to go, you know, visit them. We lived in LA, they lived in Ohio. And, and when I was 20, when I found out my uncle was dying of cancer and I didn't really have a chance to get to know him, he was like my dad's half brother. I was just like, I have to go. And so I became like the kind of the, the death doula at 20 years old for my uncle and his family who were not good at handling death. And I didn't know what I was doing, but I found myself intuitively helping him pass and being there with him. And when he wasn't passing and the, and the hospice nurses were giving him more medicine, feeling a pull to get people on the phone. He may have had unresolved conflict with and holding the phone to his cousins who he hadn't spoken to in 30 years and having them cry and say, I'm so sorry for what they did and, and seeing his body contorting and moving in the process and eventually getting to the place where he was able to pass and just feeling strangely calm in that turbulent setting and at peace and wondering like, wow, what am, what am I doing here? And then remember sitting in that and starting to write ideas about maybe I should do TV shows about this or how do I help people see this experience? And then him passing and, and seeing unexplainable mystical things happen in that room and just knowing that like, okay, there's more, there is more to this life. Religion is right. No matter what my brain tells me, there's more. This isn't the end. This is the beginning. This is the, the first womb going to another. All of this was in me. So when it came time to my last days and when I was at my low point and I had nothing and I was trying to find what I can give to the world, that death came back. And I said, you know, maybe I need to do a story about living told from people who are dying. And luckily, I had some wonderful Baha'i friends who had started this little company called Soul Pancake. And this is the stuff they wanted to do. They gave me $4,000 an episode. I gave up everything. I spent a year. I, I was broker than I've ever been in my entire life. And I made seven episodes of that show for about $43,000. Um, traveled all over the country with seven people. And it changed my life. The byproduct of that, the other way it changed my life, is I have a lot of trauma from that show. Because over the course of eight years... I developed a lot of close friendships and a lot of them aren't here anymore. And so you're willingly going into a situation where you're going to fall in love with people knowing that they don't have a lot of time left, which is why the promises I've made to people like Claire Wineland or Zach Sobiak have turned into movies like five feet apart and clouds and support for their foundation and things. Because what do you do? You're on, they're on their deathbed and you promise them something you have to do it. And also the belief that they're still with me and helping me and, and assisting me on the journey. So my last days was everything. It changed my life. It changed the, the way that I think about life. It changed a lot of things. And it also gave me a lot of um, anxiety and it gave me a lot of, it gave me some trauma. It gave me some, some health trauma, you know, because then you, you're wondering like, oh my God, is that ache cancer? That's, that's real. You got to work through that. So Wow. It's yeah. incredible. And it's, 
it's like a symphony, you know, like all the notes you just played is like, it's beautiful music. And we're all really able to really hear it when you speak it. Cause it's so embodied. It's so beautiful. It's so it's stuff we all really, really need to hear. And the way you say it is so loving and necessary. Like it's just so important. If we're listening right now, which we are, what do you hope that people will take away from that? What are you hoping that we will start to understand about death that informs, like you said, our life and the choices that we might want to be making? So this is one of my favorite subjects. So uh, here we go. Um, everything that has impacted my life and my view on death comes from the Baha'i teachings. Baha'u'llah says, I've made death a messenger of joy for thee. Wherefore dost thou grieve? And that was the basis. That was the foundation for my last days. How can death be joyful? And the deeper I go into that, and when I go into the Baha'i writings, when I go into what is talked about, somebody once asked Abdu'l-Baha, which translates to the servant. He was the son of uh, Baha'u'llah. He's who Baha'is look to as kind of the perfect example in his life. Somebody once asked him, how does one prepare for death? And he smiled, a big joyful smile. And he says the way that one would prepare for any journey mm. with excitement with longing how often like when you're going on a trip a vacation yeah you are thinking about it all the time in many ways it kind of makes you less present and you're like oh i need to pack my bags and sure let's say you're going to hawaii it's like oh god i cannot wait to just get on that beach there's a longing because you know where you're going is different and a little bit better than where you are now that's why you're having a vacation it's an experience and what baola teaches is that where we are going, where death takes us, is a new life that is far more incredible and beautiful than we could ever imagine here. And the way he helps us understand that is he gives us the analogy of the womb. In the womb, we are technically alive. And this is not diving right. into being pro-choice or pro-life. This is like the Baha'is believe that the soul begins at conception. So you're alive in, in the womb. And you're having an experience. You're having an experience and you are developing things that you have no control over. Developing your eyes and your ears. Your heart's beating. You're developing your skin, your lungs. But you have no use for them in the womb world. You're in a floating right. <laughs> matrix, if you will. And yet you're getting everything you need from outside sources. You have no free will. You can't decide to do anything. You're just there. And all of the things you're developing you're going to need for a place that you've never been, that you don't even know you're going. The interesting thing is that place exists two inches away. It's two inches away from where you are right now when you're in the womb world. You have no concept or frame of reference to what it is. And if you were to tell a baby that outside their world, just two inches away, is the most beautiful place you've ever imagined. There are mountains and there's a sky and there's a sun and there's heat and cold and you're going to need your skin and all your nerves to be able to feel the warmth. There's water and you're going to be able to drink it. There's air that you can breathe. That's why you need your lungs and all the light and the colors so you can see. That's why you need your eyes and the smells for your nose. That's why you're developing your nose and the taste. Oh my God, the taste. There's going to be food that you can eat 
and you're going to have a tongue that's going to help you taste all of those things. You're going to have legs so you can walk. If you were to tell this little baby in the womb that all of this existed, the baby would say, what are you talking about? You're crazy. I have everything that I need. And yet, just outside the womb, two inches away, is this world that's existing. And one day, the baby dies of the womb. And it's uncomfortable. It's not easy. And is born, goes through a, a tunnel of light, right? And is born into this world. And suddenly it needs everything that it was developing. There's a purpose for it. There's a use for all of these things. And the best part is that that whole time the baby was in the womb, it was being loved by somebody. Somebody was nourishing it because it didn't have free will. Somebody was caring for it. Somebody was hopeful for it, ideally, getting ready for it to come. And that's who greeted the baby upon its birth. It was greeted with love. Then we come into this world and we know God said, okay, one day this world's going to end, but I'm going to give you a clue. The things you're here to develop are no longer material. They're no longer physical. It's now the spiritual parts of you, your spiritual eyes, your spiritual ears, your spiritual sense of smell, your spiritual legs. What are those things? They're virtues, honesty, kindness, sincerity, steadfastness, love. All of these things are the spiritual arms and legs that we will need where we're going. And the best part is that all of the people that have left us, like my friends from my last days, family members, they are already there just like we were waiting for us, loving, praying for us. Because when we go through that tunnel, when we go to wherever we're going next and we have no use for our physical bodies, they're the ones that are there welcoming us just like they were here welcoming us the first time. Which is why when my daughter was born, I had a 360 experience and I realized, oh my God, this is the circle. For nine months, I prayed for her. I loved her. I talked to her, right? I joked with her. I was waiting for her. And as she came into this world, my voice was the first voice she heard, and it was a prayer for her life. And I held her, and I touched her, and I put her on mama's body. And I'm going to get to do that again, just differently. Because I'm going to get there before her, and I'll be waiting for her in the exact same way, loving her and praying for her and welcoming her into the world, just like I did the first time. And that when you think about life that way, that's what Abdu'l-Bahá says, to look forward to it. So I have to pack my bag. I have to pack my bags while I'm alive. And what do I want to put in my bag? I want to put my virtues. Because I know where I'm going. I don't want to go to Utah and go skiing, but only have summer clothes. I want to put all the stuff I need in the bag so that I'm prepared. And that's what this life's about. Virtues, kindness, love, sincerity. That's what I'm putting in my bag. That's what I'm working on because that's what I'm going to need where I'm going next. It's so beautiful. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm so like, sweet. there's no way to not, you know, if you have a soul and ears, uh, there's no way to not cry listening to that. It's, it's absolutely stunning. And the truth makes you cry because it just oh, hits yeah. you. And there's a, the most unfamiliar, familiar place just goes 
I know this is true, you know, and I relate so much to your really deep yearning to live the life that you're really supposed to live. Before I went to LA to do whatever I've been doing, I lived in Jerusalem for three years, which was a mistake. Like I was supposed to be there for two weeks and um, I grew up Jewish, but not connected. And I started to like I just like was reading religion books in college. And I was like, you know, maybe I will go there for a couple of weeks. And I met a very sweet, holy, holy rabbi who told me that the word Shabbat really comes from the word to sit, which means to meditate. And when we sit, God appears to all of us and that we're each a masterpiece, a piece of the master. And I was like, I'm going to stay here. And so I stayed for a few years. And then I went to LA with this idea of like really wanting to be a servant, to really make things and um, like and to get to. And you're, and you're doing that. Yeah. And exactly of course I get to doing. bump into you, which is just like such an unbelievable gift. And it's so surreal oh. to have this conversation. But this week I prayed for what you just said. I was in a yoga class. I had a yoga teacher come to the house and I was doing Shavasana. And I just said to her afterwards, I was like, Ooh, I just cried, which sometimes happens like on a somatic level. Like there's right. And she goes, what was, what was coming up? And I said, I don't want to die. And she said, tell me more. And I said, I can just see how my ego gets really interested in being busy and gets really interested in achievement for some, like some bandaid on, well, if I can be busy and achieve things, I can forget that I'm going to die. And I, I said, gosh, I wish sometimes God would just send me an email and remind me that what I really know to be true is really true. And then literally you just, he sent you today and you couldn't be more genuine. You couldn't be more beautiful and you couldn't be more sincere. And we're so lucky you're here, Justin, like in this world you're such a great emissary. You're really kind, really kind and strong. Um, so you went on to not only do the hold on, I, hold, on, hold, on, hold, on hold on, Kylie. I got to just respond to that first of all. Oh, okay, you okay. You're up again, but I want you to know something. I have the same struggle. Just because you know something and it lives in your body, right, doesn't mean. You don't have fear. And I, that is my constant struggle and my somatic deep healing work is how do I stop running from the stillness? Yep. Because it is in that stillness that the reality of our mortality exists. That's it. And stillness is literally akin to death for many people who are afraid. I mean, that's what death is. It's stillness. It's our cells are, they've stopped multiplying, right? It's the atoms are no longer moving back and forth. We're still. So the ultimate stillness is death. So anybody who struggles with meditation or with stillness or, or with going to sleep at night and maybe is on their phone a little too much and swipes a little too much deep down underneath that generally is a deep fear of stillness, which translates to a fear of death. And it's okay to be afraid of death. That's why God gave us this life. It's the ultimate test. I've had conversations with God where I'm like, why would you do this? (laughs) This is so mean. Why would you give us time? What a cruel joke. 
I've had sessions where I'm like crying and I'm like yelling at God, like, why would you do this? Why would you give me an ego? Why would you make me feel so freaking important? Why would you then give me children? Why does everything beautiful have to end? Right. Why am I going to have to say goodbye to my children? Why my parents? Why? I've done that. I've been in the, in the boxing ring. And at the end of that is a loving, calm voice from God. Yeah. Basically saying, oh, my child, that's because you think this is everything. Totally. And it's not. This is the beginning. My love for you is endless. Yeah. It's infinite. But your brains can't process that. So I'm putting you here on this earth to teach you detachment. Yeah. You have to love me more than you love the world I created. Which is why in the Baha'i faith, again, the prayer, the obligatory prayer, it's an obligation. We say it every day. The prayer is essentially saying just that. You've created me to know thee. I testify at this moment to my powerlessness and to thy might, reminding us every single day that we're small. Our purpose is big, but we're small. And that God's love for us is infinite. And that's the thing to remember. He didn't create this to, and by the way, I don't believe God is a he or a she. In the Bible faith, we believe God is an infinite being. We can't comprehend it, but we oftentimes mass, like because of language and the history of language, it's in masculine. So he, she, it, God created this not to be mean, but to develop our capacity. That's it. Yeah. I relate to so much of it and it's so good to hear it repeated and in such a beautiful way. Deepak Chopra was here and he was saying it. he meditates on death, just like you said, you're supposed to. And he said, um, you know, it feels so good because in that place, right, when you're really connected to the I am, not the I am Justin or I am Kathy, but just the I am, you're just like, ah, oh, that place doesn't need anything, right? And that's what death feels like. And I, I went to a, a Joe Dispenza retreat last year for a week, and I had moments where I was so genuinely at peace in these eight hour meditations. And I was like, I hope I go back into my body because I'm really happy here. I'm almost like too happy, right? Like when you really, really, really wire into, yeah that state of like the quantum, it's the best, right? There's no attaching and, and striving. You're just like fully blissed out, right? And gosh, the human experience, as much as we don't want to leave it, there's so much suffering here. There is so much grasping. There is so much not enough feeling and it's never enough. And I love when Jim Carrey says, I wish everyone could become rich and famous to realize it is not an answer for anything. And yet the ego is like more rich, more famous, more validation, money, stuff. Da, 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 da. It's like, who really wants more of that? Right. But we get so married to it. This conversation is so good. Before we keep going, we're going to thank our sponsor. Did you hear that? It's the sound of another sale on Shopify. Shopify is the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify believes in liberating commerce for all because entrepreneurship has the power to drive communities forward and be a force for good. And I got to say, I 100,000% agree. Supercharge your knowledge, your sales, and your success for a free 14-day trial. Go to shopify.com slash dreamjob 
all lowercase. Shopify is designed for anyone to sell anywhere, giving you the resources once reserved for big business, customized for you. With a great looking online store that brings your idea to life and tools to find customers, drive sales, and manage your day to day, I love that Shopify is unlocking the door to infinite possibilities. They make it easy to successfully run your own business with confidence and ease. In fact, you can build and customize your own online store without any coding or design experience. Shopify powers millions of entrepreneurs from first sale to full scale, and every 28 seconds, a small business owner makes their first sale on Shopify. Plus, they have 24 seven support so you're never alone more than a store shopify grows with you this is a possibility powered by shopify go to shopify.com slash dream job all lowercase for a free 14-day trial and get full access to shopify's entire suite of features start selling on shopify today go to shopify.com slash dream job right now i have to ask you because just as we're summing up you have a whole world around your book and your podcast which have to do with helping it's not just about, I mean, I feel like women like it too, but it's really helping us re-examine what masculinity really is. That's another whole beautiful, like, you know, opus that you've created. After everything we just talked about, you have a whole bunch of things that to say that are important about masculinity. Why did you feel so strongly about that? Uh, again, it just kind of happened. And there's there's many times where I'll you know, in my, in my own therapy journeys. And as I'm self-reflecting, be like, did I choose any of this? <laughs> like, you know, I, I didn't study this. I didn't, I didn't study gender studies in school. I didn't even, I went to college for a year and a half. Who the hell am I to talk about this? And what I've realized is the way God made me, my uniqueness is my trauma, what I've been through, my spiritual beliefs, and the body that I was put in and the marrying of all of those things. <laughs> and, um, and here is a guy who, you know, except for the man bun now, which a lot of these kind of like, you know, very masculine <laughs> guys who like disagree with me, like to point out, it's always the first thing. It's like <laughs> man bun hippie, but I look like a dude's dude. I connect more with women. I'm more in touch with my feminine than my masculine. Oftentimes. I've been really terrorized and brutalized and hurt by men, also with, by women, by humans. And I have a deep belief that we're one and that the world will be better if there's equality and if women and men are seen as equal, because this is deep in my writings. So it, it was kind of this, I just, I think by existing, it was very confusing for people. And then when I started to get a little bit of fame and I started just randomly sharing things I cared about to my like 12,000 followers on Instagram. Boy, did um, that change. I was really like, wow, it seems like people like this. That's weird. And of course, the Pavlovian like response to random reward theory and the monetization of our dopamine, which is social media, then was like, we'll do more of it. And so I was like, okay, I'll start sharing more of my thoughts. And I learned that very few men were sharing some of the same things that I was. And then that created a opportunity for me to then decide if I wanted to then start to really use it as a public opportunity to create change. And so I did. The bar was set so low that I just had to right. crawl over it. Right. That's true. <laughs> you know, the bar was literally set so low. It was like, oh, a, a decent looking guy who loves his wife. Like, what's, what is this? This is madness to the point where like it was the bar was set so low that Ted offered me to do a talk. So again, I've been kind of like acting. I was learning in real time. I had deep beliefs, but I wasn't educated. And so I had to educate myself and learn. And that 
happened via struggling and falling short and being committed to if I'm going to be saying something publicly, I have to be willing to do it privately. And then oftentimes not saying anything publicly because I'm working on something privately. So I just genuinely believe that so many of the issues that plague the world result from an imbalance of masculine energy. And that's not to say masculine energy is bad. You need it and you need feminine. We need both. But it's the imbalance that I believe is driving the chaos and the pain and the hatred and the destruction of our climate and war. It's an imbalance and we need to strive for balance. And so that's the work that I'm doing now. And to many men, it feels like an imbalance. It's like, oh, but you're taken away. Like you're, you're blah, 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 blah. And like, no, no, no. But that's, that's the privilege of the oppressor is, is this, this feeling like, oh, equality feels like oppression when in reality it's not. So that's the work. That's it's some incredible. of the work. If, if you could have tea with one guy and he would walk away knowing one truth, what do you really want him to hopefully hear? What came to me when you said that is uh, four words, which I've never said before. Power is an illusion. That's what just came to me when you said that. Power is an illusion. The patriarchy thrives off of power. It's a power dynamic that asks men to do whatever they can to gain or achieve power. Men hold the majority of the power in the world. Some of that, sure, can be chalked up to science and the way that men approach the world. But a lot of that, I believe, is systemic. And I would want men to know that power is a mirage. It doesn't actually leave you feeling powerful. It just leaves you wanting and craving more power. It is a never-ending carrot that we will chase into our grave. It's an illusion. And I want men to know that who they are as they are is already powerful. They don't have to do anything yeah, to be right. powerful. They don't have to accomplish or chase anything to yeah. be powerful. And the system that we live in right now teaches us at a very young age that we are not enough. Oh, yeah. We have to do things to become enough. Yeah. We have to be productive to become enough. Totally. Our value is tied to productivity. And that is not true. It's not true at all. That's not the way that God created us. We have inherent value. And the more powerful I believe we feel when that power is accumulated by either dominating other people, money, fame, success, fighting, whatever, that power, that type of power actually leaves us feeling empty. Yeah. And, and it's that emptiness that then drives, I believe, the hamster wheel of the patriarchy. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. I've been thinking that wouldn't it be cool since so many people are working on this situation in Ukraine, if you in a perfect world could just sit down with Putin for 20 minutes. And if he really heard this, right. And he's just, a, you know, an extreme example. And there's like tons of other degrees of this, but really that's what's at the heart of it is this is a person who's so insecure and thinks that the more he has, the more he's going to feel. But we see this all the time. It's and it's, it's everywhere. everywhere. There, are, there are billions of there are billions of Putins that exist oh. in the world. And Putin is not unique in any way. They've existed throughout history. And again, it's that illusion. And 
it's the difference between making decisions out of fear and making decisions out of love. Totally. And fear that we don't have enough or that someone's going to take what we have. When that's the driving force, it causes you to do terrible things in the name of what you believe is morality. Yeah. And I just want to say, because I think it's actually helpful, is that what we don't like in anything is what we don't like in ourselves. And so the Putin that lives inside of all of us is the part of us that in little tiny, subtle ways, right, thinks that if we achieved more, then we'll earn more love. Or if we do, and, and those are the things that leave us feeling empty. And in subtle ways, those are the things that are actually the bigger problems with humanity, because that's what's rooting our communities and our communities are the world, right? Not these big global moments. It's actually what's going on in ourselves and inside our homes. And so I'm so grateful to you. And I'm so lucky to get to have like this moment where our rivers just kind of like met. It's just the I'm coolest so thing. You're like, talking to you. oh, you're just such a joy. You're like the best ice cream sundae ever. <laughs> um, so tell everybody where they can follow you and find the podcast and just get to be a part of this beautiful oxygen that you, you offer so generously. You can find me on Kathy's Instagram page when she, <laughs> uh, when she promotes this episode. Yeah, honestly, wherever. If you feel drawn to it, you can find me wherever you want to find me. Yeah, but, you're there. But yeah, I'm grateful for everybody who's listening to this. Thank you for creating a space and for following your uh, heart uh, and uh, being such a light. You really touched me today. So thank you. I love you. You're so easy oh, to I love. love. I just, you're like so lovable. It's like, you're just so accessible and you give so much. You're so generous so excited to like see what you're doing next and what downloads are coming in. And this was the best. You want to know what I'm doing next? Yeah, sure. I'm working on doing less. Yeah. I'm working That's on such less. a good answer. That's what I'm actually working on is doing less, doing nothing. Stillness, still working, still keeping the engine moving, but doing it from a place of um, enoughness. Yeah. Versus lack. And uh, it might look like doing a lot less for a lot of people. And that's okay. Oh, it's so much more than okay. It's such an incredible model. Justin, thank you. Thank, thank you, you for so coming much. on. Oh my goodness. How incredible is Justin? I could have talked to him forever. Okay, here are the takeaways. Number one, every human being is endowed with a unique capacity that only that person has. Number two, it always starts with intuition. Number three, choose to be a feather in the wind going wherever God takes you. Number four, there's more to this life. This isn't the end, it's the beginning. Number five, prepare for death as you would prepare for any journey with excitement, with longing. Where death takes us is a new life that is far more incredible and beautiful than we can ever imagine here. Number six, we're small, but our purpose is big. God's love for us is infinite. And number seven, power is an illusion. Who you are as you are is already powerful. Thank you so much for listening. I know that there are so many things that you could be doing with your time. It means the world that you're here. We have such good episodes coming up. So please make sure that you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And if you love the show, a awesome thing that you can do is leave us a review. So we're going to up the ante on that. And I'm going to be asking you to go ahead, leave a review, and then you can put any question you have for me about business, about making money, about growth, about finding your thing. 
anything at all, you can put your question at the bottom of your review and I will be checking the reviews to pull a few questions and I will be asking those questions as they come in throughout the episodes. So go ahead and leave a review and put your question in the review and I just might be answering your question next. And do you know someone who would love this episode? Do you know someone who's a fan of Justin's or somebody who would just be so moved by what he shared? If the answer is yes, then go to your Instagram and post about this and tag me at Kathy.Heller and tag Justin at Justin Baldoni because I know that it's going to light up his heart to see that this episode resonated with you. If you want to join the mastermind, if you are feeling called to step into this powerful incubator of energy and to have me coaching you in a very immersive, in-depth way over the next six months and to be meeting up in person and to be sharing non-stop tips and strategies with you. You can apply for the mastermind at kathyheller.com slash mastermind. And when you apply, you will be able to book a call with me on Zoom and we can discuss what is the right next step for you. I love you so much. I'm going to leave you with a song of mine and I'll talk to you again on Thursday.
Never hear. 